Hello and welcome to the podcast series, How to Improve Elections from the Electoral Integrity Project. Each episode features a new idea about how to improve elections based on academic research. My name's Toby James and I co-direct the Electoral Integrity Project along with Holly Ann Garnett. So it makes sense to have as our first guest, drumroll, Holly Ann Garnett from the Royal Military College of Canada and Queen's University in Canada. And so I usually would at this point ask people to introduce themselves and maybe say something about why you got in interested in, in elections. So I've given you a little bit of the intro there, Holly, but yeah, how did you get into elections? Sure, yeah, so I've always had um, a keen interest in politics. I remember watching the news a lot with my dad growing up. Um, we got to go visit parliament and sit in on question period, which was super fun. I think my, my foray into elections was actually um, when I was about 14 and I kind of showed up at the doorstep of a local campaign and said, I'm here to help. Um, and I'm not sure they knew what to do with this random 14 year old, um, but they let me, they welcomed me in and let me do all sorts of, of fun things. I wasn't really old enough to be going out and doing much. So I got to stick around and see the behind the scenes of how a local campaign was running their election. And then later got interested in, in broader issues of electoral management and how elections are run uh, through some of my work um, in my master's degree. Yeah. So yeah, so since then I've been studying electoral management um, and electoral integrity. Uh, so those issues can be quite broad. So I have different uh, research agendas looking at campaign finance here in the Canadian context cybersecurity and elections, voter registration, and voting processes, which is what I'll talk about today. Brilliant, excellent. So given those kind of broad range of research interests and, and experiences, obviously going back from when you were 14 and doing the canvassing there as well, what's the problem with elections that your idea is kind of designed to fix? Right. So the thing that I chose to talk about today is voter registration. And it's kind of something interesting. You wouldn't expect a Canadian to talk about that because we can register at the polls, right? Here in Canada, you can just register um, at your polling place. But there's a lot of good reasons to be registered to vote, regardless of whether you can register on election day or not. Um, so for voters, you are going to get the benefits of the reminders. So Elections Canada, for example, will send you a, a card that says exactly where you go to vote, what your special voting opportunities are, and that kind of reduces some of the resource costs in terms of trying to figure out where is where is it that I'm supposed to go vote? How am I supposed to get it? You're also going to have probably an easier time at the polls. You're not going to have to do that registration process when you arrive at the polls. You arrive, you show the necessary documentation, they tick you off, you do your ballot. It's a pretty easy process. So for voters, having um, your registration accurate and up to date uh, can really streamline that voting process and make it really simple and not have a lot of costs associated with it. Now for election administrators, it's equally or perhaps even more important for advanced registration to have accurate registration lists. That's going to help them know where they're supposed to deploy resources, how many polling stations to set up, how to communicate with their electors, also to know what kind of population groups they might be working with. So having really accurate and complete registration lists are also really important, even in situations where you can register on election day. Uh, but the problem is that we know that in many cases, election records, records of, of who's eligible to vote, these registration lists are not necessarily complete and are not necessarily accurate. 
Um, and that's because registration is a complicated process. Think about that. You are trying to register the entire citizenry of a whole country and sometimes within a very short period of time after an election is called. And you want to make sure that your list is complete, that you're not missing anybody, but also that it's accurate, that you're going to have every person just once and you're going to have accurate information about how to get a hold of them, who they are. And so any registry of all of these citizens are going to be difficult. And you can even have issues as small as, as typos or clerical errors. And so having an accurate registration list and having a registration list that is complete and not missing anyone is one of the key challenges, I think, for election administrators as they prepare for election day. Okay, brilliant. So, I mean, given the enormity of the task, I can imagine there being potentially lots of things lots of ways in which uh, the election could be improved but what's your what's your pitch if you like what's the idea that you want to use to try to improve the electoral registration process yeah so one innovation that i've seen that's increased a lot in the recent years that i think is really promising is online registration and allowing voters to register online or to update their registration information online. And we've seen the the increase in that in the United States, for example, I was just counting this weekend, I think it was about 42 states now have online registration. I can check that. But um, so it, it's it's exploded. We have it here in Canada. And it's something increasingly that's being used um, to try to streamline this voter registration process and increase the accuracy and completeness of election rolls. Online registration, just to clarify, is essentially moving all or some of the process of voter registration onto the internet so that you can input your information. Um, in the case of Canada, you can input your information, then we do ask for ideas at the polls, so you're not actually transferring proof of identity on this online means, but it allows you to go in and make sure that things are up to date. If you've moved to change your address, or to change your information. And so it, it allows voters to actually be able to uh, amend the registration list so that their information is accurate. Okay, that's really, really interesting. I mean, the UK, I think we actually introduced online voter registration for the first time in 2014, which is relatively new, but that's a system where people can only kind of register themselves for the first time if you like they can't go in and control their record they can't amend their record but that's something which it sounds like could does happen in in some in some parts of the us and, and, and canada yeah and so in some cases you can actually go in and see what do you, what do they have on file for me is this accurate and then you can amend it if needed um and so this kind of dynamic process um can also can be one way that we can make sure that registration records are accurate. Um, so what evidence is there that online voter registration actually makes a difference and it actually works? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And there's some things that are really hard to know for certain, you know, whether it reduces clerical error, we can have a sense that, you know, you're not transcribing it. So you're going to have more accurate information that, you know, you might get those red error messages if you don't put everything in that you need to. So there's there's good reasons to think that that's going to work. Maybe a little more difficult, though, to know through empirical research. But one thing that I think is really interesting is that we do know that it might actually be attracting people into the registration system that might not normally be registered to vote. Um, and one way that we can research that is by having a better sense of who is most likely to use online registration. And some of the research that I've done looks at the Canadian and the American context. And what we find in both contexts is that young people are actually much more likely to use online voter registration. They're 
likely to actually uptake it and use it. And this is a population group that we know notoriously is known for not being registered and not voting, uh, largely because you know, they might be new to the voter registration system, they might have high residential mobility, so they're moving around a lot in those early years, they're not kind of in one stable home where their registration information is going to stay. And so there's a lot of good reasons why they might not be on a registration list. And we see that young people are quite likely to be using online registration. And so you can actually see kind of the relationship between the availability of online registration and uh, registration rates and turnout rates in the American context, because there are 50 states over many periods of time. So you can do some analysis that looks at when online registration was available to these young people and when it wasn't. And some research that I've done has shown that youth voters who do have access to online registration are predicted to be more likely to be registered and more likely to vote. So there's a good case in the American or North American context, at least, that online registration can attract this particular underrepresented population group. And again, that kind of mirrors some of the experience from the UK where voter registration was made online. And then what you then tend to see in the run up to the deadline is a kind of huge wave of particularly young voters getting in and, and, and registering to vote. I mean, does that sometimes create pressures uh, in terms of there being a, a fixed deadline, for example, and perhaps too many people kind of regist registering to vote late too late? Right, there's always that danger with any kind of online system, but there's also that danger with a paper-based system, right? That you'll have lineups or you'll have waiting on the telephone or whatever. Um, so I, do, I don't think that online registration is particularly unique in the sense that when there are deadlines that you might see a particular run-up. It's just perhaps a little more what well known because you see you see these images of the website being down for example yeah and when people do register online what is it they have to provide for example is it a social security number the name the date of birth or perhaps it varies by state and yeah. by country so, so it definitely varies by state varies by country for how much information is provided so in some cases you know you register and then later at the polls you'll provide your identification in other cases you need to provide some sort of a driver's license number for example so some sort of number that shows you yeah, hey like i'm actually this person so it really does vary and and that allows different contexts to put their foot into the water of online registration without necessarily right away putting all of that information online but I think one thing to remember is that regardless of whether you're providing the front end of registration online, the back end of voter registration is going to be using digital records. I, I don't actually know of any case where they actually just keep paper records. That's just not really the case, especially in the countries that I'm aware of. And so you, there is going to be digital storage of records regardless. So I don't think that particular issue is one that we need to be more concerned about in an online registration context than in others. Sure. And possibly this saves a lot of time in terms of data entry for the election officials anyway, working at right. piling through and those mountains of forms. Exactly. And can reduce clerical errors, right? Like somebody has sloppy handwriting. Um, you know, an online registration system is you're typing it in. Similarly, you're not going to have, you know, paper forms getting lost necessarily. You're not going to have, let's say you have a, a system where it gives you that red error message like, hey, you didn't give us your last name. You know, it can tell you that before you submit the form and then have to get somebody, you know, calling you up and saying, hey, like, what's your last name? So it's, it's, it can actually help reduce some of this clerical burden. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, it sounds like a great idea so far, but are there 
problems that this or other problems that this might cause or maybe perhaps them some situations where this might not work mm -hmm. yeah so the first and most obvious one is that it might solidify some of the digital divide that we see you know who has access to online mechanisms you know we can say something like you know well you can go to the public library and use the computer there and register there okay but the reality is that it makes it more convenient for the people who already do have access to the internet have access to the technology and also the people who are comfortable using that and that's i think why we see such a large uptake with young people because they're so used to using doing everything online right so that digital divide issue um is, is certainly one to pay attention to it could mean if you're focusing on an online system that you direct people to that online system as opposed to providing other forms of outreach, um, things like door-to-door -door enumeration um, or more pop-up registration areas or whatever. Um, obviously, that, that's a choice that election administrators are going to make regarding scarce resources and where they are deployed. So I wouldn't necessarily say automatically that that means that you'd have less, say, enumeration, but it could end up being the case for sure. I think the most tricky thing that I would be paying attention to is that we do find, for example, in the Canadian context, that those who uh, had greater knowledge in politics were more likely to take advantage of online registration. And so this is one of those flags that we see that says, okay, is this innovation actually just making things more convenient for those who are already likely to vote? And so that is one thing that any convenience measure, anything we do to improve um, how easy it is to register or to vote, we need to take into consideration, is this just helping the population groups that are already going to be registered regardless and making it easier for them? Or is it actually attracting new population groups to the polls? So with the young people, I think that it might be attracting new population groups to the polls, but with some other population groups, it might just end up being just those who would normally register um, are just finding it maybe a little bit easier to do it online. So who should be implementing this then and and how? I mean, presumably this isn't something that could be cooked up in a in a couple of weeks and is ready and is ready to go. Yeah, so there's movements in most countries in this direction towards online registration. So as I mentioned in the US, it's about 42 states now which is up from having one state with online registration in 2006. So there's definitely a movement already underfoot to try to move parts of the registration system online. And the great thing is that you don't have to do everything all at once. You can start, it can be an incremental um, movement of this online. I think there are some concerns obviously about privacy and online record management and security, which are all valid. Um, but again, as I mentioned earlier, that there are issues with that in a paper-based system as well. Um, and again, registration records are going to be stored digitally eventually. So that's one, one thing that needs to be taken into consideration for sure and, and how voters might trust that, but definitely shouldn't be an impediment to adopting some form of online registration. And one of those things, what we do in Canada is that then you do show some sort of identification at the polls, you know, you can complete that registration procedure when you're at the polls. So if there is any concern about collecting identity documents, for example, online, that's one way that you can kind of use a bit of a hybrid format. And I think that there's going to be many more countries adopting these sorts of convenience measures. Um, and we've seen similar uptick on things like, for example, automatic voter registration, which is another innovation that you and I have studied, which can look at registration accuracy and registration completeness. And so these sorts of innovations, I think, are at the forefront of many election administrators' minds already. Okay. It sounds like we would need to get someone 
in to talk about automatic voter registration then at, at some point. So if people are interested in this as, as an idea, where can they find out more? So I'll plug my own stuff first. So I have three articles I point you to. All, all three happen to be in the Election Law Journal. So one on Canadian online registration, one on American online registration and automatic voter registration. And then I'd also um, point you towards uh, a paper on called Behind the Screens, and it's about e-governance um, in election management in the United States. If you're interested in, in the public trust issue and how, how the public looks at moving parts of the voting and registration process online. I have a chapter in an upcoming uh, book, which I co-edited with Mike Powell, Cyber Threats to Canadian Democracy, forthcoming this spring from McGill Queen's University Press. Um, and that chapter is with Laura Stevenson looking at the Canadian context and how people perceive moving things like registration or voting online. And so I would, I would encourage you to take a look at any of that. There's also some good good things that have been written, good reports, the Bread and Center, for example, or the National Council of State Legislatures, I think is how is what NCSL stands for. Uh, but anyway, they have they have some really good resources as well for the American context. And then obviously uh, some of the work that we're doing right now, Toby, um, looking at that, which isn't quite out yet, but um, I think there's some really solid uh, academic research that's being done on online registration by ourselves, but then also by some of our colleagues that really tries to take a look at, you know, who is this actually benefiting? And I think that's one of the key empirical questions we need to be addressing. Thanks ever so much, Holly, for being the first guest on the Electoral Integrity podcast, How to Improve Elections. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and please join us for future episodes.